0: Hey, everybody, welcome to Rust Belt Startup. I'm your host, Ryan Miller. And if you're new here, Rust Belt Startup is a podcast um, full of long-form conversations with entrepreneurs, educators, artists, people that are living unconventional lives in unconventional locations. And so today on the pod, uh, this is actually uh, an episode that was, that was recorded live in front of an audience. Uh, the event was a partnership between MVCC's Thinkubator and the Rising Tide Society of Utica. Um, so we called this event From Beans to Brew, and it was a fireside chat with the founder of Utica Coffee Roasting, Frank Elias. So in this conversation, uh, you know, we really wanted it to be a, a conversation, and we encouraged audience members to chime in with questions. And so at the end of this, there is a Q&A, and uh, there's some folks that chime in uh, in the middle when we take some breaks for questions. But, um, but it's a great conversation that, that really focuses on the origin story of Utica Coffee Roasting Company. If you haven't heard of them, you're living under a rock in this town. And it's a conversation that focuses on not only the origin story of the company, but you know how they've experienced growth. We spend a lot of time talking about building a culture and cultivating talent uh, within your network and within your region, instead of relying on um, folks from outside of the area. How do you how do you create a culture where people want to be there and uh, give them opportunities for growth? So we spend a lot of time on people, and we also talk about the growth. Uh, as it comes to expanding and doing a lot of business online. So a big part of Utica Coffee is actually their online business. So using partners like Shopify and Amazon, we get into that growth strategy um, in this conversation as well. Here's the thing I didn't know. I did not appreciate uh, how much money Amazon takes off the top uh, when, when you're a, a real Amazon seller. So uh, we do get into that as well. So hope you find this conversation interesting. And thanks to everyone that came out uh, to the event. Thanks to Rising Tide Society of Utica. We'll do it again. Uh, but enjoy this conversation with Frank Elias of Utica Coffee Roasting. Thank you, guys. Uh, I'm scared because I haven't done this in a while. We haven't done one of these in a, in a long We see these all the time. So, so thanks to Rising Tides for bringing this up. And doing it again here's the here's the rules for tonight um, this is designed to be like a, a, an interview a fire a fireside chat if you get it right um, this is what's crazy about the fireside chat. this has been running since nine o'clock this morning and it's it's a 12 hour fire in 4k on YouTube so like who <laughs> uploaded that thing but it's amazing um, so this is designed to be an interview uh, with Frank to give you guys a sense of kind of the origin story, how he grew the company. Um, I've got some questions that are on my mind and will certainly guide the conversation. But at any point, um, that's why we have mics here. Just so it's for you guys. You want to know something, just stop me. Stop me in the middle of my sentence, whatever, and let's let's have a conversation. Uh, we'll go probably 45 minutes or so, um, and we'll just kind of see where it goes. But. Um, uh, Frank has been gracious enough to, to, to donate his time tonight, and, uh, and I hope you guys are all big fans of Utica Coffee. I will just say, if you don't know, does anyone not know what ThinkUbator is or what they do? I'm, as, I'm being bold here and thinking like everyone. I've met most people in the room tonight, so thank you for being here, and I hope this is the first of, of a lot of these uh, that we can do moving forward now that, um, you know, we're, we're all getting together again. So, that's, um, who, so who's, who, has the, who has the mics right now? Okay. So as long as we know where they're at, if you want a mic, just grab it or raise your hand. We'll, we'll, we'll but we'll, we'll get this started. Um, I spent a couple hours. I've known Frank for a long time. Mm-hmm. I knew Frank oh, when yeah. you were on the radio. Yes. Um,
1: probably before then, but we probably don't remember it.
0: Uh, we probably don't. Yeah, oh, don't. that was. Um, it was a, so. Hey, turn your mic this way. It's like right. the old school. Like Are give it a on? little. Give Are you
1: little, on me? Little, you speak there. All
0: right. Da, da, da. All right. And don't touch it. Now, you you I mean, you're the right. radio guy. But okay. see, it's not. It's not. I know to stay
1: away from it, but sometimes I don't. But like if you were in radio, it, out, it used to you go know. this way, but this one,
0: this is budget, so oh, I have to do it on the side. Oh, I see what you,
1: I got gotcha. See. I know where we're at now. Yeah. Okay, very good.
0: Um, let's start with, uh, we were talking earlier uh, um, where I think growing up here, you were one of the first people that, that turned the name Utica from a business standpoint and, into like a lifestyle brand, kind of turning it from what some would call pejorative in some instance, and mm-hmm. you're like, no, I'm gonna name my business Utica Coffee. So Absolutely. let's start with,
1: why did you decide, let's just start there. Okay, um, understand, I'm a lifelong resident of the Utica area. I've always thought highly of the place that I've lived, we, that we live, um, and I've always thought that we should be proud of who we are and where we are. When I started the the idea of this business, I was working at Mohawk Valley Community College at the time, and one of my good friends there, Frank Prisbison, um, who is now um, a a professor emeritus at MVCC, he was working with Genesis at the time, and I said, Frank, I got all these names, what do you think? And he says, well, we've done studies at Genesis and the Utica brand, the Utica name is very strong. And the, um, the people from outside this area think highly of the Utica name. And for the people that come back, that, that name resonates. That name is a connection to them. And as a result of that conversation with Frank and many other conversations with Frank, um, we decided on really uh, promoting Utica and developing our brand uh, of, of coffee um, synonymous with the Utica name, the vibe, the feel, and all the good things that are, should be um, shared about our, our hometown.
0: When we were hanging out on Monday, yep. before you named it Utica Coffee, you told me a story about a, co- a first coffee roaster and a motorcycle.
1: Yes, And I would,
0: I would yep. like you to, to, I think this will set the stage for new entrepreneurs, um, if you would tell, tell us that story. Uh, I sure will.
1: Um, I'm going to take us back to about 2002, and that's the year that we purchased our building down here on, on Genesee Street. And for, for lack of a better, better term, I'm going to call it Main Street. Um, and at that point in time, um, like you said, it, it, the the name Utica nev- wasn't necessarily um, for everybody, and not everyone loved it, right? right? Right. So nobody was investing in your downtown. It was a ghost town, and we often joked you could throw a bowling ball down the street, and nobody was there, and and that could be debated. So um, I bought this building, and. I was looking to invest I didn't re- really know what to invest in all I knew though was every time I had to get a, a cup of coffee or a water or anything I'd have to leave the city um, so I studied a whole bunch of different business ideas and and what fits with me what can I do uh, what makes sense here um, and it was a it was a, it was a well-thought-out process, really. And I, I stumbled upon a, a growing industry, and it was the specialty coffee industry. And at that point in time, it was growing at 17% annually. And I thought, wow, that's pretty gosh darn good. How much longer could this keep up, right? Um, so I recognized retail probably wouldn't work in this downtown area right now. And and the way that building was over there at the time, um, the windows weren't in front, it was all bricked off. And and if you looked at my row of buildings there, it was was my building, which is pretty much vacant. Uh, Next door was vacant. Next door to that was a junkyard guy, I call him um, Junkyard Joe, and he had a really mean German Shepherd. Um, After that, it was vacant, then we had a strip joint, then it was vacant, and then we had municipal housing. And, And that's the way that street was. So I recognized retail wasn't going to work down there at that point in time, but I do have a a degree in manufacturing. I've got a background in manufacturing, and I thought coffee roasting, specialty coffee, would work. And uh, so I I did research, looked at where I could find a roaster, hooked up with this guy in Wisconsin who would become a a very good friend at that point in time. And he had a coffee roaster used, and I said, I don't know, you know. and he says, I'll sell it to you, and if it doesn't work, I'll buy it back for exactly what I, what I sold it to you for. And at that point in time, I had all this money saved up for a motorcycle, and I, so I, I was ready to go with something. And I figured, what can I, how could I go wrong? So I, I did. I, I, I decided to invest in the coffee roaster instead of the motorcycle. Do you mind me asking how much
0: that first coffee
1: roaster cost you? 15500 $15,500. Yep, and I got $500 off because then it was a dent in it. <laughs> <laughs> it was in Wisconsin. She had to go get it in Wisconsin. It was in Wisconsin. No, he sent it here. He sent it here, and he, uh, Victor, um, then I. So we worked with him through that. He introduced us to our broker at the time. We're, you know, 17 years later, we're, we're with the same coffee broker. I often say that he is our our, our secret weapon because he's. He's got a degree in Harv- from Harvard. He's been in the coffee industry since 1975. He's been through the ups and downs, and he is extremely knowledgeable about specialty coffee. Uh, our supply is very strong. Our, our our relationships are really worldwide at this point, networks worldwide, and where we get our coffee. So. Um, you know, the, the decision to forego the motorcycle at that point in time and buy, buy the coffee roaster was a good one. And I didn't tell you this side of the story, right. but um, I did buy a motorcycle. <laughs> I did. I bought a motorcycle, and I sold it because I bought our first delivery van with it. Right. And, and that's, that's true. That's awesome. And I'm, awesome. Now I'm done with motorcycles at this point.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Um, you know, to, I guess to, to follow up with that, um, first of all, I do, I do want to note that you weren't a person that just goes damn, I love coffee, I can make this into a business, mm-hmm. right? Like, so many people that I meet are like, I like baseball cards, therefore, I'm going to run a successful, you really started with a research, and I think that's really important. Oh, uh, Absolutely. Did you know how to roast coffee at scale before you decided I was going to be a coffee roaster? You were um, going to be a coffee roaster.
1: Good question. I asked Victor that when I was buying the machine, and he said, um, this is the coffee roaster at the, that's the right size that it's a shop roaster, but it can also produce enough to feed your family. So, you know, that question was asked, sort of, and, and that's how it was answered. It's small enough for a shop roaster, but also large enough to produce the volume where you can feed a family.
0: Was that the red roaster? That's the red roaster. roaster. I remember that's that That's the red roaster. Yep. We um, still have it, to oh, this day. Awesome. Yep. Um, so, but you didn't answer my question where I said, do, did you know how to roast
1: coffee? Because it's more complicated than dump the
0: beans in, plug it in, and hope for the best, um, right?
1: i tell you what. I went to Clarkson University. I've got a degree in industrial management. This um, is statistical process control. It's time, temperature, and it's graphing it out, right? Conceptually, mm-hmm. that's how simple it is. Now, how do you adjust all of the... The, the parameters right how do you adjust the airflow how do you adjust how do you make sure the time and the mm-hmm. temperature are right on um, and those those are the skills that the you curve learned. you were showing me yeah, yeah. that curve right. I was showing you right um, so um, I've learned and every day I learn more because it even though you can say hey this is a commodity and it should all be the same way every coffee bean grown differently it's a crop um, certain coffees are grown High-grown, they're much more dense. Other coffees, low-grown, less dense. Time, temperature, um, have a a pretty significant impact on on how those roasts might come out. So you get this roaster. Yep. Are we good so far?
0: Is this okay? Are we doing all right? Okay. Um, So you get the roaster, and there's a point I think in everyone's journey when they're starting a, a business. where you're freaking out about like what's going to go like what what happens if I go wrong what's what's plan B and then you hear you know i think a lot of overconfident entrepreneurs typically dudes that are like, well, there's no plan B, you know?
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, In your case, was there a plan B, or did you think about scenarios where you're like, well, if this doesn't work out, I'm gonna go sell insurance, or I'm gonna do something?
1: Coffee roasting was plan B. That was plan B. What was plan A? I I was working at MVCC at the time. I was working at Herkimer College at the time. Um, And and then I was working at the Chamber of Commerce. Chamber of Commerce, oh yeah. So, and, and until I got fired from the Chamber of Commerce, it was plan B. And then once I got fired it was plan A. It was plan A. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Why would I vote no? Thank you. Well you should have voted yes.
0: Um, so you're starting, you're roasting, um, and then there's a point where I gotta think you're you're having you're having some success. And then you have to start making some serious investments in branding, marketing, and going, all right, this is, right. It, was there a moment where you saw this is, this is going to take off, or was it a gradual burn that you had to really, you know, was there a point in time you're like, all right, I'm all in, I'm, I'm betting the farm, we're, we're, this is what we're doing, or was it a, a very slow trajectory up?
1: Uh, it's a good question, and I don't know if I know the answer, because there were, there were glimmers of hope mm-hmm. at times, and then there were also moments of, of doubt and pain. Can
0: you tell us about one of the doubt and pain moments?
1: <sighs> Money flow, cash flow. Sure. Um, you, um, we couldn't hire anybody until we produced a, a certain amount of revenue. Um, it's a lot of hard work. Uh, the hours are almost unending um it, it when everything falls on you or or, or you know my wife and I have was has been helping me out through mm-hmm. through much of this um, and it's it's difficult so um, you know learning, experiencing um, difficulties and, and, and challenges um, those are those moments but th- also recognize, you go to bed at night, you wake up in the morning, your attitude, uh, your, your determination is re- energized. You're, you're back, and, and you go back at it. And, and you must understand that the vision, the purpose um, that you set out to achieve must be your goal, and you must believe in yourself. And, that, and, and, and at some point in time, um, I think the people that were our customers, our friends, and our, our customers and friends now, they believed in us, and they saw it, and they, they um, you know, I think of the early days in our shop downtown. You know, those people that, that supported us, it was extremely appreciated. The people coming in from the city, the Department of Public Works, mm-hmm. you know, your every, everyday average people um, they, they believed in us. And some they, coming every day. Yeah. Yeah, and they're, yeah, and they're good friends <laughs> yeah. now, and it feels good.
0: I want to just pause here. Does anyone have anything in particular they want? I'll, I'll keep going, but if, you got, if, if there's anything so far that you guys are like, hey, detour, let us know. Or just, okay, yeah, hit us, CJ. So, oh, you got to turn them, yeah. There we go. So, uh,
1: sort of speaking about the marketing as well. When, where, and how did Wake the Hell Up come
0: from? That was gonna be my literal next question,
1: so thank you very much, that's great. All right, CJ. So, again, people, certain people believe, believe in, in you. Um, and Ryan was working there at the time. It was Romanelli out in Clinton. Um, the folks from Romanelli are friends, and that's currently who our landlord is in our Clinton location. And um, Joe approached us and said, hey, um, let me help you out with marketing. And um, it was Joe, and it was Bernie Freitag, and it was Bernie Freitag, myself, Joe, who sat down and, and not only came up, it was really Bernie that came up with the Utica Coffee logo, but we sat down and we came up with like 20, 30 different sayings that might work with this. Um, and ultimately, it, it was wake the hell up. And and at that time, we got so much not positive feedback on that because it was edgy and hell. Even my mother, to this day, does not like it. <laughs> but in, in the end, at, kind of is the edgy piece that, that uh, is memorable. And it has nothing to do with hell, it, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where it came from, and uh, it has stuck to us to this day. And ultimately, that, that slogan has become a, a brand in itself. So now, wake the hell up, brand. Uh, as a coffee that is mostly sold on Amazon, locally Utica Coffee, the name, the brand resonates locally, but nationally, Wake the Hell Up on Amazon is what is most recognizable. It really
0: has become a, a brand, you know. And, mm-hmm. and and Wake the Hell Up is you've got that domain. Like you, you can go. Is it, you own a few of those, right? Wake the Hell Up.
1: We, wake the Hell Up is is, is our domain.
0: Got us. Yes. Did that answer your question, CJ? Yeah,
1: and again, it's, it's direct, and it's very no-nonsense. And when you put it on a bag, and you then bring that bag and give it to somebody, and they're like, oh, OK. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's an and, and that is an ultra-caffeinated line. So, <laughs> so what we've done is consciously we've said, all right, there's a distinguishment between the Utica coffee, and that's high-quality Arabica. Uh, coffee and the wake the hell up is an ultra caffeinated coffee line. But it, the saying is on the it's on the regular backs as well. It is. It's just not. It is. not a, correct. It's still
0: there. Yep. How do you feel like that brand that that's that slogan that tag um, set the tone for growth or how I guess you know coffee's a business where like there's a gajillion people out there roasting coffee and you know we talked about this a little bit on on monday it's in some ways it's a commodity product and yet you really got to rely on branding to set yourself Mm -hmm. apart can you talk about some of your brand strategy
1: um, and has how that has grown or changed as you've grown certainly um you brought up the word commodity and that's absolutely correct and going into this i recognized that um Coffee is a commodity, and we were going to establish uh, a brand uh, that would create value, um, and and consciously, that's what we set out to do. And it was it was, how do you leverage your your marketing? How do you create value? And and that's something that we work on really even to this day, um, because we have to show differentiation between those hundreds, thousands, yeah. millions of other coffee roasters that, that are you know, in, around, not only here locally, but, but even nationally. Um, so even to this day, we recognize it's a commodity, and we have to differentiate based upon quality, service, relationships. Um, those are really the three real big components of it. And, and for those of you in this audience, I, I would hope that every one of you would recognize that if you go into one of our cafes or if you're dealing with any one of our people, either online or anywhere, um, the, the quality of our people um, should really be a big factor in, in what we do. Um, and we're proud of our people. We're pr- very proud of our, our quality and very proud of our customer service.
0: That's a perfect segue because... so. To give you guys some, some background, um, it, it had been a year since we had hung out. Uh, it was almost exact, right. Frank's the only person that contacts me on Facebook Messenger, and so <laughs> I was like, how did you know it's been a year? He's like, look at the last timestamp, and it was a, about a year ago. Yeah. So um, so I went down to, to, the, to the new facility uh, again on Monday, and boy, had it grown. And I think um, one of the things that a lot of folks locally may not Understand is I I think a lot of people might think of Utica coffee as like it's the cafes, but this is a Mm -hmm. this is a big operation, man Mm -hmm. Um, And I was spending time there on Monday with him and one of the things that jumped out to me was um, how much conversation and How I don't know like you just seemed like you really genuinely care about every individual that worked there mm-hmm. and that the folks that I met genuinely loved what they were doing and so I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about like how do you find or build a team and culture because I think you've worked really hard it, I can see it when I'm mm-hmm. over there You can
1: feel it. Yeah you can totally right. feel it um, How do we do it? I don't know but it's so important that you really pay it very, very close attention. You saw it in that I, I talk to every person that works with us every day. I have a conversation with them. I'm, I, I walk through, I see our operations. Um, so that it's relationships, and it's probably also communicating our mission, vision, purpose with these folks so they feel comfortable enough to live and breathe what that mission, vision, purpose is. So if it going into our cafe, how we treat the customers, the, I, I honestly usually don't, will, will, will not tell people that work for us, you should do this or you shouldn't do that. It's almost their decision to, to do whatever they do. Um, then you can evaluate how, how they react to that. But um, allowing them to make decisions um, is it, it, I think it furthers our, our mission, vision, purpose, and culture. Um, doing the right thing. Uh, I mean, how many times have I said to someone, "What would Jesus do?" Right? And we've probably all said that. But hey, well, okay. Based upon that, what would you do? And it's usually you know, it's usually the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And and you just build that culture. And. Uh, at times, it, it doesn't work. I mean, I can't tell you that it's, mm-hmm. it's 100% success. If it's 51% success, I'm, I'm happy. Um, but um, you see it, and I hope, hopefully, you feel it when you walk into our place that what we do on a daily basis really comes through in our employees and how they treat people.
0: I want to throw two things out at you that I had notes from our meeting that I think mm-hmm. will serve as maybe a, a jump-off point for conversation. But but two things that struck me when we were talking, um, I had wrote down these, I, like, I, it's three things. You don't hire for a role, right? Right. The concepts of tiers and teams as you grow. So we'll take these right. one at a time. Absolutely. And then, um, you know, you said to me, you know, so, sometimes I, I hear from business owners are like, it's hard to find good people. And you're like, no, 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 there's, there's, there's good people everywhere, Mm -hmm. but they might not be a good fit. Correct. Can you talk about, first of all, like good people versus good fit building a team and then how, why you don't hire for a role? Um,
1: first thing I can say is passion. Um, good decision making. Um, you might have to refresh me on these yeah, okay, three okay. questions from now. On. So, so there's good people, but, but they might not be a good fit. Um, Let's we'll start there. Yeah, and, and I mean, we've all gone through COVID. We've all experienced, hey, there's no people. And, and as a, the reality of it, all that was, is there was a big population shift. Those people that were, what, baby boomers, X generation, right? They retired out, and, and really, they really did leave a vacuum of leadership for the next generation coming up. But that doesn't mean these folks are not really, really good people. Uh, it just means we've got to work with them, give them training, guidance, and, and I can think of people that we've hired recently. Um, they may not have, if you look at a resume, they might not have all the bells and whistles, mm-hmm. um, but what they should have is a willingness to work with others, uh, collaborative. And there's also a piece of this that's like really good decision-making. And you can find those people. And once you do, you cultivate them, you give them the right training, have them work with people that are part of teams. That's another big two things of that. You mentioned tiers, and that's what we've really realized, that especially when we're saying, hey. Um, come on to work for us, fifteen dollars an hour. Today's day and age, that's not enough, right? But what you've got to you've got to show someone is that there is a, a progressive career path. So, you know these skills, fifteen to seventeen dollars an hour, right? You know, they'll, they'll know these skills, seventeen to twenty, or, and mm-hmm. and beyond. Um, so we've realized that y- that the. Saying, hey, you're going to come in, and this is your job title, and this is how much we're going to pay. There needs to be a, a path of progression that they can see, right? that they can see, and then that other people can um, can show them uh, within the organization that, that 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 it's working for them. Yeah. Um, what was the other piece? Well, it was that Tears and teams, but it, I think it teams. teams, dovetails, elements teams. Yeah. Yeah. teams, and that that's another one and. Again, generational differences. Um, there are certain generations that feel much more comfortable with with titles and roles, and younger generations um, in, inclusivity. We're all equal. We're all right. And when you feel like that, you are probably less apt to want to be directive to someone. Hey. Um, Go do this and and that especially now is, is something that okay it's real mm-hmm. um, so how do you work you work as teams and if you're each team your team members with goals um, you kind of help one another along rather than direct one another along and that's that's another way of growing people younger people um, these tiers um, which. And these are not all answers that are going to work for everybody, but we're trying it. We're trying to make it work, and in, some, in, in, in our case, it is, it is working for us.
0: I think you answered the last part of it, which was you don't really hire for a role. It's not like I'm going to hire for a barista. You, you, it's, there's a track, you know. Right,
1: and that's the other thing. Um, you know, the old days of, hey, what's my job description, and what am I going to do? And yes, that's good. But understand this, we're a growing organization, we're changing, we're responding to the needs of our customers and of a very rapidly changing world. And if someone comes in and thinks I'm gonna be this, well, you better be ready to move because that job is probably not gonna be there in six months. So, so come in, contribute, learn, and be ready, and, and, and really we need you to move. Because if you're, if we need good people, we all we all need good people. Um, they need to be promotable, and if they're not promotable, they stay in a spot and they hold back somebody else from coming in. Yeah. So, um, the idea of hiring for a role, um, yeah, in today's world you know, the New York state guidelines, sure, you got sure, to yeah, yeah. create this. But in, in the reality of it, the way business is changing so rapidly, you better be ready to move and adapt, overcome, and somehow find a way to contribute. Could we bring it back to
0: marketing for a second? I know sure. that's always on a lot sure. of people's minds. Um, there's a point where and again, I'm just using my experience in working with with a lot of a lot of folks that are just starting out. And when we start to talk about branding and marketing, the there's a lot that is reliant on we're just we're gonna we're gonna do Facebook and and the gram, and it's really gonna be word of mouth. And what I'm hearing you say at the very beginning is like, listen, we really like we made investments, we made doll, we we right. put money behind. Developing a brand, but then also deploying that brand, right? And that can be, I think, for a lot of folks, that that idea of a marketing budget is one of the first, the last things they think about, and one of the first things to get cut. But you've really leaned into that. Can you talk about w- at what point you stepped back and said, "Listen, we need to bring some. You're not going to write the logo on every bag. You got to bring someone in." And how did you decide that it was? Time to, and and continue to make large investments in marketing. That's a big part of what you do. And I'm t- now, now I'm saying marketing. I'm not just saying social. But where, where I'm going with this is I want to get right. into Amazon. Okay. Okay. All right. So as it kind of leads us to there. Okay, as a long, long ass question, and but, I'm not sure know. if I fully understand. Okay, So when did you so you sat down with, with Joe and Bernie to come up with the right kind of the tag and logo. but yep. there's a point where you're like, listen, I, I'm roasting coffee. I need to spend money mm-hmm. to acquire customers. And that can be painful for people to do. But right. you, you, to me that's also, I'm hearing you say that's, but that's the differentiator between us and other brands of coffee. Like we're building a brand, right? Building a brand costs money. How do you institutionalize that as part of your decision-making process?
1: Um, okay, um, I, here's how I'll answer. Um, and and I'll, I'll refer to you guys on this stuff, too. Um, all right, let's say you're a, you're a business and you know you need to invest in marketing, right? Um, and we're, we're in your shoes now because we knew we had to invest in, in marketing. So, you come up with a, a, a thought process of what you need, you identify it, right, and then you reach out to local resources. Um, local resources come to you and say, yeah, we can do this for you, we can do your web page, we can do this, that, 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 right? Great, and here's your bill, boom. And this is our quote to, to do this. Um, that then... allows you to make a decision, okay? Let's say it's a $50,000 to do all your website, this, that, and the other thing over over a year, and that is a lot. Um, Part of our mission is to hire local, um, give people opportunities. Think back 20 years when I started this business, job opportunities were not like they are today. Um, People were leaving this area. And I I wanted to start this business as a for-profit business with its intent to revitalize this region responsibly and hire people locally and give them opportunities so they didn't have to leave. So now I'm getting a quote, and it says here, here's $50,000 for a marketing budget for over over this year. I look at that and say, I can hire a person for $50,000, and I, then I got them for year two, three, four, five, and they're committed, and I'm fulfilling my mission. Um, so that is the, the thought process that goes into that. And even to this day, very rarely will we um, hire out for these services. We'll hire from within, we'll build people from within, and I'll even take people with no experience at all and teach them from the bottom up. As long as they've got the desire, the right attitude, good decision-making skills, good people skills, and that's ideal. Um, Now, okay, answered that, but here's something that anybody that's gonna work through Amazon really needs to know, and that is, in order to properly sell on an Amazon platform, you have to make sure you've got your trademarks in place, otherwise, you're going to be dealing with third party resellers. And you don't want to do that because they'll undercut you, they'll destroy your brand. So you have to protect your brand with a trademark. And even with that, I'm going to tell you what, and at, who was the legal Zoom guy here that I was talking to tonight, right? Even with that, right? Um, even with that, go out to a local lawyer and have them work with you on doing trademarks. It's gonna be very, very expensive. What we've learned, we can't afford that. So we've gone to LegalZoom, and we work with Legal Zoom. I think it's like 250 bucks a year, plus a certain amount to do a trademark, and they give you, they give you a, a lawyer consultant, and they work with you through the process. In turn, you learn the process, you become the expert, you bring those services in-house. You build your own people. So it's, it's, it's a continual process of how do you bring this in-house when you need it. Now, there are many circumstances where we do look outside for consultants, and I'll tell you, and Dr. Van Wagner, plug for MVCC, because your manufacturing uh, partnership program has been instrumental in helping us through our... Um, manufacturing improvement programs. And this is when we bring in consultants. When I know I've got a process that can be fixed with our own people, but sometimes you can't do it yourself. You you need to bring the -hmm. the expert in from the outside, and that's when you bring in the expert, they do consulting, they educate your people, and, and then they move on. The education piece is extremely important for us. Even with search engine optimization, um, we will not hire out for that. We will find a way of training our own people so that they can do it, we can do it ourselves. Uh, We're going to do this over and over and over again. We're going to build a business. We've got to educate our own people.
0: Let's talk about Amazon a little bit more. Go. Because I don't think a lot of folks understand that's a big part of your business. Biggest uh, customer we've got. yeah. Yeah. So, why did you decide to? Uh, I guess put more of your resources towards that and can you talk a little <laughs> bit about um,
1: well,
0: uh, m- margins because that's a hard everyone's like "Oh, will just put it on Amazon
1: yeah, but it's no. as you've discovered this is a not no. that easy um, this is interesting because one of our employees somehow put our products on Amazon I don't even think he knew what he was doing but then all of a sudden, we, we, we got an order one day, and we're like, what is this? How do we do this, <laughs> right? right? Seriously, um, what is this? How do we do this? And oh, he figured it out, and, and we just built it from there. But when you follow the trends of sales, take a step back. Organizational structure, extremely important. And in fact, it, it's so easy to... Make business decisions if you can map it out. Okay, going back to your ma- our math classes, right? If you can dr- draw out whatever the problem is, it's so much easier to figure it out. And, and an organizational chart is pretty similar. So, making sure that within the organization, the right people are responsible for the certain responsibilities is extremely important. Uh, so. Once you recognize sales and you're going to grow sales in these certain directions, Amazon online, Shopify online, mm-hmm. that's, that's the responsibility of your online sales team. Um, grocery convenience, that's responsibility of your wholesale team. Your, your retail cafes, Utica, Rome, wherever else we might look, mm-hmm. um, that's retail. Uh, production operations, that's your job you know of, of the organization right now we employ 47 people as of this past Monday uh, there are only five people that report to me and everybody else reports to them I don't go crazy I don't stress out and all the people that work directly with me they're empowered to make decisions because they know what our mission vision goals and purposes are and if they do make make mistakes great you learned we invested that much in, in your education. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's
0: keep going on Amazon a little bit. So, so you accidentally get on Amazon. Yep. Okay. And walk me. So there, there's a big delta between we accidentally get on Amazon and now Amazon is the biggest part of our business. That's right. Okay. And so that's right. There's a there's a process there, and what I what I learned from you two is how much amazon eats of your business. Absolutely. Can can you s- give us a little bit of I, the I'll bad news exactly. on that? Okay. And, and you you guys should you all
1: if you're, you're they'll take 50% of anything you sell. So Five, 50, zero. 50, 50 half of. They will yeah, take half right? of. And that doesn't include, out when he sold That doesn't it. include what you might want to spend in Advertising, AdWords, and your inventory costs because you have to manage your inventory costs, your holding costs because they'll charge you for it. So, 50% of, one half of everything you sell, they will take, um, and that's the way it is. Um, K cups, go ahead. Just a quick question. Go ahead. It's Amazon Marketplace, right? Not Amazon
0: Merch. Not it's like you're on
1: Amazon. You are like the seller, right? So Amazon.com. Like, we are. You are on. Amazon, not mm-hmm. like yep. Yep, Amazon.com, Wake the Hell Up K-Cups, you'll see it. Uh, And Utica Coffee. And, And here, this is how important trademark is. Wake the Hell Up has been on Amazon for years because we've had the trademark. Utica Coffee has only been on Amazon maybe two years because only two years ago we got the formal trademark. And and only then would Amazon accept Utica Coffee to have our own web page and not be mm, interfered with by third-party sellers. So, one half of what... what, So, you sell something for $15 or taking $7.50. Easy, off the top. So, you got to be ready for that. Let's
0: just let that sink in for a minute, (laughs) (laughs) okay? so very 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 hard to do that um but and and yet and yet so if in hearing all of that and you're like yeah but you got to sell on amazon so you got to have great margins you got to have great margins that's what I, that's what i'm getting at right so like how can you, would would you be comfortable sharing uh like how, how many pounds of coffee are you shipping out
1: every day I and, don't know. <laughs> 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 all right, all right. I did um, not expect that answer.
0: <laughs> I did not expect that um, answer.
1: I'm gonna. I, I, How many pounds I, are you roasting every day? Let's start there. Up to two thousand pounds a day. That's a lot of coffee. Up to two thousand pounds a day. That's right. what I'm saying. Like well, this is a big. This is a big operation. Well, and here now, take a step back. Okay. Amazon, we recognized what was selling on Amazon was wake the hell up. And K cups, right? So when we saw that, we bought a K cup machine. And and Barry Sinnet, who works with the Bank of Utica here, at the time he had operations in China, and uh, I said to Barry, I was like, Barry, I want to buy a K cup machine. He says, All right, go on Alibaba.com, mm-hmm. identify what machine you want, and then I'll go visit the manufacturer. We'll 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 vet it out and. We'll go from there. And that's exactly what we did. That's awesome. Um, so I, I went to Alibaba.com, Barry visited this, this, the, the sites in China. Uh, did, it, was, it was fantastic. The, I, the resources that we have here locally um, really do extend globally. Um, so we bought the machine, brought it in house, set it up, started producing K-Cups right here, right down the street. And then uh, sales continued to grow and grow and grow. And we realized we cannot keep up with this. The manufacturing piece is not um, where we need to focus our time, money, and effort. Where we need to focus our time, money, and effort is in marketing, package packaging development, um, and sales. And, and so, th- we ended up selling that machine and working with a co-packer New York State, because we want to stay within New York State. We want to do business in in New York State and promote more business within New York State. So we found a co-packer down toward New York. They are our co-packer to this day. They focus on on the manufacturing. They're really, really good at it. We buy the coffee. We have it shipped to them. They roast it to our specifications. A lot of the stuff is flavoring. Mm -hmm. We send the flavoring down. And we work with them. They work on the manufacturing. We working. We work on sales, marketing, brand development, and and more more SKUs. And, th- and that's almost part of the natural um, outcome of more sales. Simply put, more SKUs. On, What's on a SKU for people that don't know what a SKU is? Barcode, more or less. Right. It's a new product. It's a it's a unique product. Yeah. I want to make sure that
0: people have plenty of time for for questions. Uh, anyone have anything they want to want to pick Frank's brain I about? If I could yeah. Interject. Yeah. Um, Frank, I apologize if this is a hard question after a wonderful commercial for NBCC, but it's okay. <laughs> okay, go for it. If, thinking of the organization's organization development mm-hmm. over the years, I'm guessing it wasn't a straight, beautiful line, <laughs> uh, such that as you hit these different walls right. before you went to the next level, was there ever a time where the barrier you hit was between your ears and you had to get out of your own way?
1: Probably. What was that story? Pro- oh, oh, probably. Um, I recognize I, I'm probably not an expert at anything, honestly. Um, the What I am good at, though, Randy, is starting something, getting into it, and understanding it a little bit, coffee roasting, and then recognizing we need to find somebody else to take this over, because they can do it better than me, and I can move on to something else. And it almost to, I can say, roasting, I can say, packaging, I can say, sales, I can say, manufacturing Uh, the i I, I can look at the 47 people i i work with and i can say that every one of them can do it the job they're doing better than i can so you know as an entrepreneur uh, um, i i'm quick to get in right i i was the one that was setting up the roaster i'm the one that's roasting the first batches but then recognizing, i got to get out of my own way if I'm going to continue to grow this.
0: Um, Ryan, you used the phrase, uh, I think it was you, Ryan, where too many entrepreneurs get caught in uh, spending too much time in the business. Not on the, yeah. the business. yeah. I think it's a powerful phrase. Yeah. I stole that from someone. I don't know who, but I stole it from someone.
1: I kind of agree with that. I, I recently read it. It speaks precisely to that to understanding that you can't do it all and finding the person that can do it for you, giving them the autonomy to do it, and allowing
0: that allows you to free up some time to do what you want to do mm-hmm. and take your business
1: where you want to take it, right? It, it makes perfect sense, you know. Here- I've got ADD too, so it's really hard for me to focus on one thing for a long time. So I, I gotta get it right, and I gotta turn it over quick. Or <laughs> I do, and, and I, I recognize that. And I, I do have, I got a planner, I write everything down, because if I don't, I'm onto something else really quick, and I'm not gonna re- remember what I was doing 10 minutes ago. <laughs>
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's hard. you have to have a second brain, mm-hmm. and that's a notebook or some sort of software, where keep everything organized otherwise. You know. mm-hmm Other questions? CJ's got it. Yeah.
1: Um, you mentioned
0: you know the world is changing, and we're talking about Amazon, but I've got a question about the other Amazon.
1: Um, mm-hmm. in terms of commodities, coffee right. is not something we grow locally feed corn. right how do you plan in advance for disruptions bad harvest season uh, boat getting stuck sideways in the panama canal right the pandemic climate change. like there's a lot of things that's a that go, great go question wrong yeah at the initial step of purchasing the coffee before you even get to roast it so how do you, right. how do you mitigate that risk to yourself and your business remember I said secret weapon Um, the broker. Um, Been working with John for 17, 18 years now. Um, Wealth of knowledge in the industry. For the most part, the the world um, coffee market is is very connected. Um, We buy futures, and um, so we look out as pretty much as far as I can go. And, and I'll look at what that commodity is doing. And I'll put good till canceled orders in on certain commodity lots that right now are, I'm looking at 2024 right now. And we're buying lots in 2024 right now. Right now, the cut price of coffee has come down pretty significantly over the past three, four weeks. Um, I would anticipate that it will continue to go down just a little bit more. Um, the U.S. dollar is very much a factor in all of this. The U.S. dollar is a little bit um, stronger, weaker than it was last time. Um, coffee commodity prices were so low, so it may not go. The price of coffee may not go down um, as low as they had been over the past three, four, five years at times. Um, so you really have to be a, be a student of the commodity markets. Um, also be very much aware of um, geopolitical stuff that might be going on, how it might impact you. Um, I say that the coffee market is a, a, a global market. And the companies that we buy from right now, it's the Neumann Group. Um, it's a German company with offices and locations in 40 countries around the world. So the supply network, the chain, is there. Everything does come into New York City. So when it, and and we've gone to these warehouses in New York City, CJ, these warehouses are huge. Um, 550,000 bags in each warehouse uh, from coffee all over the world. It's, and we went down there maybe about two months ago. We brought our, our, some, some people that we work with here in Utica down so that they could see it and they can be educated on where all this coffee comes from. It it helps our employees better understand the networks that we're part of. Um, But it's a commodity. We buy futures contracts, and our suppliers are worldwide conglomerates that hopefully mitigates any supply chain disruptions. We
0: also have other questions they want to ask?
1: At this point in the business, with any, everything we could possibly be focusing on day to day, how do you think about structuring your own day? And your own day? how do you, I guess, what is your... Oh, you got to flick the switch. <clears throat> what um, is your framework for deciding what to focus on and when? Um, John, I, at every morning, 6 a.m., I'll sit down with my planner and I'll write down all that's on my mind, all that's on my agenda. I'll, I'll prioritize it. Um, I will think of, um, is, it, is it me that's responsible? Is it someone else that's responsible? I'll speak with that person during that day. We'll talk about what it means for, for them, for us. I'll, I'll try to work with others to get as much done as I possibly can. For the most part, strategic things um, I'll handle. And I'll, I'll, I like to be thinking about the future and what I need to be doing next. And, and next isn't always today. It's a year from now, or, or planning that out. We have a strategic plan that, that I work from, and, and I, we develop as, as a team. So each area of our business, we've got a person that's responsible. Um, they'll identify what they've got to work on for that upcoming year. Um, uh, we'll, we'll all work together on doing that, but every day it, it, I plan, and what I don't get a, uh, accomplished today, it'll be on the list for tomorrow until it pretty much gets done or it's taken off the list. Answer that question? Thank you. You pass the mic, yeah. So on a similar timeline, um, your business has grown wonderfully, right? And you said you started in 2002? Correct. I'm guessing it didn't happen overnight. I don't think even MySpace was available then to go viral. Yeah. And maybe mm. a few entrepreneurs now could go viral and suddenly have to scale quickly. But as someone new in business, what is the realistic timeline? Now you're planning either year in advance or quarterly. What's a realistic timeline for someone that's just starting out? At what point, you know, obviously it's going to be financial how much you bring in, but what's realistic? Um, a month, a year, three years, 10 years? Um, I guess it depends. It depends on a lot of things. Yeah. Um, depends on a lot of things. And I'm not sure if you could really set a timeline to it. Um, you just got to stay with it. I, under, OK, taking me back to when I started this, right, uh, it was very frustrating. I, I thought, open up, you're going to be a success. No, that, ain't the, that is not the case, was not the case. And most likely will not be the case of others who who try to start a business. Um, keep at it. I for years I was only open up on a Saturday. I, of course, I tried to open up during di- different times, but th- so how much time can you put into this? I, right, as we said, this was Plan B. Yeah. Uh, so I had a job during the week. And you keep on trying. You keep on trying. Hey, how could I make this work? At the time, I was open on Saturdays, ten till two. We did maybe—I mean—a successful Saturday would have been thirty-five dollars. And, and but the thing is, I was there. Flag was open. You know, um, we were we were giving it a try. Honestly, um, it wasn't necessarily only my. Work and determination that 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 made this successful. Um, I, I I attribute other investment in the downtown area as also having a big role in this. And I, I think of when um, Taylor and the Cook came in next door. Um, Chris Talgo was was you know inside the Taylor and the Cook and fixing the ceiling, and I'm thinking thank. God, somebody else is down here and what that did truly um, it changed the balance of scales because at that point in time nobody would come down here um, but once Taylor and Cook opened up it it um, it made this dangerous downtown community chic and the people from Clinton and New Hartford actually started to come down here I remember early on I tried to hire somebody she pulled up in front and, and I'm watching her, and she didn't realize this, and she pulled away. And and, and I called her up, I was like, hey, where are you? And she said, oh, I'm not coming down there. I'm like, okay, <laughs> it didn't work out. But that's that's so, you know, yeah, it can be, can be our own de- hard work and determination, but it's also um, others that are also working hard and have a similar determination that, that could help too. I don't know if that answered the question, but expect to work a lot longer than you really think you're gonna, always.
0: I wanna be um, conscious of of everyone's time tonight. Uh, I'd like to wrap it up. Would you hang for a few minutes and answer additional questions if you you want, but um, this was awesome. Thank you so much for being here. We'll do this again, Uh, and for those that are New in the room, if you're working on a, on a business and think can help, like reach out, come grab me. I'd be happy to help you in any way that, that we can. Um, if people want to speak to you, what mm-hmm. is the best way to connect with you? Um,
1: I would say probably, you, I, I got business cards. I can, okay. I can hand yeah. out business cards. But social media, um, LinkedIn, um, Facebook, probably two good to good places. Great. There. Or in the shop downtown. Yes, I'm come here. in the shop. <laughs> I'm not um, far away. <laughs>
0: yeah, thank you very, very much for taking the time to do this. You guys hang out, please. Like, there's plenty of coffee. There's plenty of treats. Um, and thank you so, so much for being here tonight. We'll do this again. Rebecca, thank you guys so much for, for putting this together. Um, and uh, please hang but, but, uh, and, and come back. And we'll, we'll leave it there. Thanks, Frank. Thank you. Thank you all. Thanks a lot.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Okay,
0: thank you for tuning in or listening wherever you're hearing this conversation. I appreciate uh, your time. So I want to thank Frank again and Rising Tide Society of Utica for helping put this event together. We're going to do more of these. We're going to do more of these. So um, keep an eye out if you are in the upstate New York area. We're going to be doing more live events, more fireside chats uh, this fall. So thanks a lot for tuning in. Um, Subscribe if you haven't subscribed. And uh, you can check out old episodes of Rust Belt Startup at rustbeltstartup.com or wherever you get get your podcasts. And uh, sign up for the newsletter. I have a few cool things happening in the fall that I want to tell you guys about. So there will be some tips and tricks if you are a new entrepreneur. And I'll have some online courses um, that will be available that I'm launching as well. So very excited for that. Uh, Talk to you soon. See you.